Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Well, you're so welcome. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name's Andy. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard. And uh, like Laura said, it has been uh, quite a week, a week that has felt like a year, felt like deja vu, felt like everything we were hoping 2021 would not uh, become. Uh, Weeks like this week remind me that we all need anchors, and uh, if Gary Bridge was here, I would have him playing the flute and that old hymn. It's weeks like this week where we are left going, will what we hold on to and will what we build our life on, will it stand the storms of life? I know for so many of you this has been an incredibly challenging week, and I just want you to know that we have been praying for you as a staff team, and I know lots of you have been praying for us. I've received countless text messages and emails and a couple of phone calls to just say that you know we were facing hard decisions this week, as was just about everybody across every sector in society, and we are so grateful for your support and your love, and I hope you have felt some of that from us as well. I want to jump straight into this morning's teaching text. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. I I think it's a really helpful frame Um, for what I want to say, but also for how we navigate where we find ourselves as a culture and a wider society at the moment. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start reading in verse 21 in just a moment. But even in your homes, I want to invite you to stand Uh, right now if you're watching this morning, if you're watching this back later in the day, can I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death, before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we confess our need for your voice. We remind ourselves that you are not a distant or far-off God, 
You're not an idea or a comfort blanket. You're a very real personal presence moving towards each one of us. And so we welcome you. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we dive back into Matthew's gospel, I want to remind you what Matthew is doing in the retelling of his account of the life and the ministry of Jesus. Fundamentally, Matthew is telling the story of the kingdom, the kingdom of God invading earth from heaven through firstly the person, the teaching, and the ministry of Jesus and his first followers. Remember how we define the kingdom of God, the place where what God wants happens. Jesus' life is the embodiment of the desires of God. If you want to know what God cares about, just examine the choices that Jesus makes in his life. Jesus came to bring divine order to the chaos of the world. I don't know about you, but it seems like we could do with some of that order right now. And Luke 17 says something that's really interesting. Luke says that the kingdom of God is within us. It would be great to see more of God's good order in the chaos of the world around us, but perhaps more importantly and definitely more profoundly would be to see and experience and live in more of God's good order in the chaos within us. We are invited by Jesus through Matthew to discover and learn how to live life, real life, life in the kingdom of God, not in some other place at some other time, but here and now in the midst of all of the challenges and stresses and pressures of everyday life. But what does that actually look like? What does it mean to truly live if you could describe your idealized life, I wonder what would you describe? Whenever I used to do a lot more youth work and youth ministry, I did this exercise with a BB company that I was working with at the time, and I would get, there were usually 14 or 15-year-old teenage boys going through some kind of BB badge, and I used to get them to describe their life in their 30s. What did they think it would look like if it had become everything that they longed for? And to a man or young man as they were at that time, almost all of them described some version of lots of money, lots of fame, and at least two houses. I always find that so interesting that, in fact, one of them said that he wanted to be a famous fighter pilot, and I said, how many famous fighter pilots do you know? And he said, well, I don't know any famous fighter pilots. And I said, well, maybe you should think about that. But. <laughs> If you could describe your idealized life, what would it look like? Just one without COVID-19 probably would be good enough for most of us. Weeks like this one and years like this one are really important moments for us to examine what really matters to us. What do we really long for and what are we reaching for in our lives? 
And perhaps the more important question, how's that working out for you? How's that going? What does a truly ordered good life consist of? This passage, I think, is so helpful, and as often is the case, it would seem like God has gone before us that in this moment, in this morning, we are in this passage. Just by way of context, Peter has just answered the most important question any of us can answer. Jesus, in the passage before this one, in verse 15, asks Peter, who do you think that I am? And Peter responds saying, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus proclaims that Peter is blessed and that he's going to build his church through Peter. Peter must have been feeling pretty good about himself in in that moment in front of all his friends. Jesus says, Peter, you finally got it right. And not only that, I am going to build my movement on you and on that revelation. Jesus then goes on, as we've read, to explain to them what's going to happen and how in order for God's kingdom to be properly established on the earth, Jesus is going to have to suffer and die and be resurrected. And verse 22, it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him obviously emboldened by what's just happened. He begins to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. Peter has just been appointed as the one on whom the Lord is going to build his church. And he has embraced his call with both hands and he's now rebuking Jesus. Seems mad, right? But I I wonder... How many times in our own hearts do we do likewise? Perhaps not rebuking Jesus to his face, but absolutely rebuking his ways. The shameful scenes that we've seen played out this week on our news screens of our confused American brothers and sisters rebuking the ways of Jesus and instead colluding with systems of injustice and power, thinking that national flags and the cross of Christ can sit on equal footings in our hearts. Peter rebukes Jesus and is met with some of the harshest words to come out of his mouth. Get behind me, Satan. For you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. How the mighty can fall in a moment. Peter goes from, I'm going to build my church on you to get behind me, Satan. Following Jesus can be a roller coaster. But Jesus says something really interesting. He, he says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Of course, it's easy to point our fingers at where we see this play out in the lives of others, but this is a haunting verse. Where is my own mind concerned? Not with the mind of Christ, but with my own opinions, my own thoughts, and my own fears. This is why I pray daily, Jesus, 
What do you say? Lord, what do you see? For any of us seeking to answer the question, what does a truly good life look like? For anyone asking the question, how do I follow Jesus? Verse 24 and 25 are perhaps some of the most important in the entire scripture. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Three keys to real life. Three core themes to following Jesus and to his definition of what it means to be a Christian. Self-denial, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. Self-denial, it's not a very popular idea, but it is the doorway through which all of us must walk if we want to find real meaning in our lives. Self-denial is more than just that. To deny oneself is a way of life for Jesus. It's a life of worship, real worship, True worship is to say no to self and to say yes to God. That is what a life of worship looks like. It is when we say no to ourselves and we say yes to God, not in grand gestures once a week, but in the small corners of our hearts, in the midst of the pressures and stresses of everyday, ordinary life. To deny oneself, one scholar writes, is to obliterate self as the dominant principle of life and to make God the ruling principle. The life of self-denial is the life absent of the question, what about me? That's hard, right? That is so difficult. The life of constant self-denial is the life of constant assent to God. In the, this moment where we are once again unable to gather in this space together, and boy do I miss what we used to have in here. There is a wonderful moment for us to reorientate and recenter our lives and saying no to what we would want and yes to God. Pastor Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, which, by the way, was the second best nonfiction book in the world for a long time, second only to the Bible. It starts with these four words. Rick opens the book with these four words. He says, it's not about you. It's not about you. Of course, he's taking that straight out of what Jesus is saying here in this passage about what it means to follow him, what it means to discover God's good order in our lives. Jesus defines real life 
as the discovery and practice of a life lived not in the pursuit of self, but of God and others. I was privileged to be on call with Rick before Christmas, and uh, he said something that I found so inspiring and challenging. He said that those four words get tested in his life a hundred times a day to the point where he kind of regrets writing them. He said, over the last 30 years, I have trained myself every time I walk into a room to not think, what's going on here? How do I look? Where am I in orders or whatever? He said he's trained himself over the last 30 years every time he walks into a room to stand when he walks in for a moment, look around the room and ask himself the question, who here needs my help? A life of self-denial, practicing those words, it's not about me. Jesus defines real life as the discovery and practice of life lived not in the pursuit of self, but of God and others. Guys, you need to hear this from me. I am as guilty as anyone else of being addicted to my own opinions, my own agenda, and need for self-advocacy, but Jesus invites us to something so much deeper and so much more fulfilling, where we set down our ego, where we set down our agenda, where we let go of our need to scream, what about me? To deny ourselves and to take up our cross. Just imagine here in this moment how that would have been heard by Jesus' followers deny yourself. Well, that seems hard, right? But, you know, Jesus often was saying hard things, but then he goes on to say, deny yourself and take up your cross. He's telling them to take up the instrument that a foreign oppressor was using to torture and execute friends and family members. Jesus is saying to them, to take up the burden of sacrifice. The Christian life is a life of self-giving sacrifice. It's what it means to follow Jesus. For too long, the gospel has been preached. It's come to Jesus for him to fulfill your dreams and your destiny. And the pit that people often leave out is there is no destiny without a desert. I have a suspicion that in years to come, we will look back on 2020 and 2021 as some of the most formative years for the church in the West. We will not emerge out of this time the same as we were when we went in. I suspect the church will not be anywhere near as full of itself. Numerically, we may even be smaller. But this desert is doing something to us as we ask ourselves, what are we truly doing? What are we truly building our lives upon? And what do we truly believe and practice about Jesus and the ways of his kingdom? Here's the thing. A life without sacrifice 
is a life without meaning. Psychologists would say that one of the biggest challenges to Western life, particularly over the last 15 years, has been the ascent or increase of freedom and the absence of meaning. People wandering, meandering through life, crippled by a fear that nothing really matters. And one of the reasons for that is we have partnered with a way of life that says good life is a life that avoids sacrifice and responsibility and the expectation of others. If you're struggling with meaning in your life, you're probably lacking things worth sacrificing for. Being a parent costs me more than most other things in my life. And being a parent gives me more than anything else I have ever experienced. Taking up our cross is about willingly being inconvenienced for the sake of others and for the purposes of God. Sacrificing our own preferences and time to love and care for other people. Luke, in his account of this passage, adds a really helpful word that we are to take up our crosses daily. Again, it's not about a once a week gesture, but thousands of small decisions practiced in hidden corners of our lives every single day. Where are we choosing? to be inconvenienced right now for the sake of other people. Jesus calls us to a life of self-denial, a life of worship, to take up our crosses daily, to choose inconvenience for the sake of others, and then he finally says, follow me. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem, his arrest, his execution, and resurrection. Quite literally in this passage, he is asking these disciples to follow him there, but that call reverberates through history right up to this moment on this day. We are to follow Jesus into his death and resurrection. That's what we see modeled in baptism. There is no prize without a price. There is no desert without, there's no destiny without a desert, and there is no resurrection without a death. New life in Christ is discovered as we die to ourselves and are raised to new life through the Holy Spirit in Christ. Like I said, not in a moment, but in thousands of moments throughout every day and every single week, learning to practice this rhythm of self-denial and sacrifice and obedience to Jesus. Following Jesus is about a life of service to God and to others. A truly good life requires us to deny ourselves, to say no to what we want and yes to what God wants. That is a life of worship. A truly good life requires us to take up our crosses daily, to be inconvenienced 
for the sake of others, to be in genuine, difficult at times, awkward community. And the truly good life requires us to follow Jesus in his service and the service of the community around us. That, of course, is what it means to be the church, to order our lives around worship, community, and service. And Lagan Valley Vineyard, as we set sail into whatever 2021 holds for us, this is a moment for us to be the church to rediscover, to reprioritize, to reorder our lives around worship, community, and service. As we begin to think through what that looks like, and there'll be lots of stuff come at you over the next few weeks as we call you to embody the practice of worship and community and service. We wanna launch something really simple this morning. We know that it's devastating that we are back to this, disconnected in our homes, trying our best to engage in church through a screen. It feels like for almost a year, the conversation has been dominated by services and buildings. I have felt so challenged in my own spirit and heart this last week to refocus us again, not on going to church, but on being the church. And so this morning, we want to launch something really, really simple. I want to invite you to be a part of it. We're not going to worship in our response today. I'm going to invite you to get out your phone and go on our events page. On the events page, you're going to see an event that says, Be the Church. Here's a really simple idea as we kick this off this morning. I've got twins who are seven and a daughter who is nine. I remember when life felt so difficult with them when they were a bit smaller. It's still full of challenges, but it's just not what it was when they were two and three or three and four or four and five. And so here's what we would love to do over the next four or five weeks of lockdown. If you're a family in our community with children six and under, we would love to be delivering you a meal once a week. If you're currently isolated and living on your own, we would love to deliver you a meal once a week. But that's a lot of meals for me to cook, and I'm really bad at that too. So we need your help. This is a really simple way that I'm calling us to be the church together for the next four or five weeks. If you go on our events page, you see the link, be the church. I want to invite you to sign up to bless a family or an individual once a week in our community for the next four or five weeks. We're going to write a prayer tomorrow that we're going to send all of you. And the idea is simple, that you either buy or make once a week a meal for somebody, you deliver it to their door, you can't go into houses or anything like that, you deliver it to their door and you pray a blessing over their home. Of course, if you have kids six and under, you're very welcome to make a meal for another family. You don't have to just receive, but if life is crazy for you right now and you want to just receive, you're welcome 
to do that. If you're living on your own and you're thinking, well, I can bless somebody else, we would love you to do that as well. Here's the part of life, particularly in Northern Ireland, we're not bad at. I mean, we're not very good at, we are bad at. It's receiving, right? Some of you will instantly be thinking, well, I don't need someone to do that for me. No, but we need to do that for you. This is part of what it means to be the church. It's part of what it means to be in community, that we get to give and receive together. And so I'm calling us as a community to do this. And for you to go and sign up now, we don't have all the details. The team are going to work this out uh, this week. But if you're up for that, to bless another family or individual in our community at this time for the next four or five weeks, I want you to go on the website and sign up to be the church today. I would love it if tomorrow morning, Monday morning, when we get into the office or into our computers, really, because we're not in the office right now, that we've got a list full there of people that are saying, yeah, I want to do this. I want to be the church. I want to show up to the rest of our community and say, we see you, we love you, we bless you, we are with you. A couple of other things that I just want to highlight as we come to an end this morning. If you need prayer for anything in your 321 email that you're getting today, there'll be all sorts of stuff about this initiative, Be the Church, but there'll also be a link there for you to email pray at lagonvalleyvineyard.com for a prayer appointment. Like Laura said at the start, we're going to be launching pastoral guidance again tomorrow. If I can help you or our pastoral team can help you in any way, we would love uh, to do that. And there'll be plenty more things coming at you this week. But for now and for this moment, what does it look like for us to practice self-denial, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus? Well, of course, that can be played out in loads of things. But for right now, in this moment, what we would love that to look like together is that throughout the week, all across this region, there are families and individuals buzzing about delivering food and praying blessings over homes. Let me pray for us as we close. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in your church. We surrender to your work of formation of bringing God's good order into the chaos of our lives. I pray that you would help us to learn how to practice self-denial, the life of worship, to take up our cross of being community, even when it inconveniences us, and to follow Jesus in the service of God and other people. We welcome your work among us. Stir our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Don't put it off. Don't think you'll do it later. Go on the website, sign up, and we will follow up with all the details later in this week. Please don't forget Coffee and Connect. There will be prayer ministry available in there. And I do sincerely hope and pray that you have a blessed and full week with Jesus and those that you love. See you soon.